Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Bryant Book Club. Forewarning before I continue on with this. This episode might deal with some subjects that are a little harsher than probably, well, I know definitely a lot harsher than we have covered in other Brian book clubs. I know I throw the warning before the podcast, and I think maybe sometimes we get used to hearing such warnings and we just go on with it, but I seriously want to take a moment that there might be some uncomfortable, definitely horrific things that are talked about dealing with the book that we'll be discussing today. So without further ado, the book that we'll be talking about is a book called Confession of a Serial Killer, The Untold Story of Dennis Rader, the BTK Killer. It's written by Catherine Ramslin, PhD. I'm not going to lie, folks. There was a t- period where I was thinking about whether or not I should cover this book. I know a lot of people saw when we first started the Brian Book Club where I was kind of producing them at a rapid rate. But then I kind of fell down a rabbit hole of another project dealing with our channel here. And now that that project is done, I have found that I've been able to continue the reading pace that I normally had. And so I've been burning through a lot of books. This book is obviously a nonfiction book. It deals with uh, Dennis Rader, the BTK killer who was caught in the mid 2000s. Why am I talking about this book? And matter of fact, you know, why am I even giving such a monster credence by by even bringing him up? Sometimes I wonder if talking about people like this and keeping them in the public lexicon in our pop culture disrespects the victims of these monsters or somehow it, I don't know, puts them on some sort of pedestal. And I juggle with that kind of guilt every day. Matter of fact, when I read stuff like this, am I, am I contributing to that? Am I like contributing to that pop culture phenomenon that some people have where they kind of are obsessed with serial killers for all the wrong reasons? And, but then I, I remind myself that a lot of these books, a lot of these serial killers have given information to the public on things to watch out for, signs, mental illnesses, and and so on and so forth, where, you know, in the heyday of these killers, you know, from like the 60s to like the 90s, you know, a lot of this was unknown territory. So I feel in a way reading this and educating myself on signs of these people are monsters or could, you know, and, and of the crimes they did maybe helps educate the public too. You know, we live in a day and age where, Stuff like this and other tragedies are brought out to the forefront because of the advent of the internet and social media. So this book basically is kind of a disturbing look into the mind of the BTK killer and the fact that the lady who wrote the book, and I use the term loosely, really pretty much just had correspondences with the BTK killer. And she shared them in this book, letters that he wrote. And she gives some insight somewhat a little bit into it, but mostly it's uh, his words. It's him delving into all kinds of aspects aspects of his life, including his childhood, his crimes, how he compartmentalized them. You know, in reading this, I can't help but still feel he's a huge piece of shit. And excuse my French, but anyone who does the crimes and the horrible things that this man did and then tries to rationalize it, you know, fuck them. Really, that's what I feel in my head. I don't mean again to me to be vulgar or overly aggressive, but I I will never feel sympathy for people like this 
or other serial killers, you know, no matter even if they had hard childhoods, there are tons of people in this world who have had hard lives and upbringings and did not grow up to be serial killers. That's all philosophical debate for at another time. So why is this book being covered in the Brian Book Club? You're probably wondering. Well, this book is being covered because it has huge amounts of inspiration that you can take away and use in a world of darkness game. Where do I start? I am currently running the third story arc of a Twin Cities by Night Camarilla Vampire the Masquerade game called Dread. If you haven't watched it or listened to it, check it out. <laughs> Shameless plug. But there is a ghoul for one of the characters, an NPC ghoul named Donald, who I have taken huge inspirations for his character from aspects of the BTK killer. I was actually struck with inspiration when I was watching the Netflix show Mindhunter. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Mindhunter is a Netflix show where they cover loosely the gentleman from the FBI who came up with the term serial killer and who went around and interviewed uh, certain serial killers in prison, such as Ed Kempler and others. And during the show, they had these really impactful, like I think they're like 30 seconds, one minute clips of the BTK killer, of him like working up the nerve to kill, him doing his first kill, and then him, what he did afterwards. And it struck me because it was so fucking scary. Seriously, it took the show that kind of had an analytical approach, you know, some drama, of course, because you need that for television nowadays. But then it, it, it had these like just intense fucking like interludes and it really scared the shit out of me. And I'm like, oh, I want to use this as inspiration for the dread story arc and at the time it just so happened that valentine the nosferatu wanted a serial or a ghoul that he had that had been a serial killer and he was kind of like trying to reform and, and kind of make him pay for his crimes or whatever so i was like oh that's who i'm going to use so i bought this book and this book really took a deep dive into the guy's mind really showed you what an a predator thinks and how they try to rationalize the crimes that they do you know there's turn there's times in this book where he mentions he's a minotaur and he's like he is a man who hunts and it's a side of him that he deals with the dark side and you know to be honest again i mentioned this before when i talked about american psycho or when i talked about my friend Dahmer in the brian book club i said how why these books deal with the dark side well that is vampire vampire the masquerade right there but th what, what i really want to accomplish is i wanted a dread to have Someone who's mortal, who was fucked up and scary. And then you introduce Kindred Vitae in there and you really saw that being heightened, but he also was being clamped down by his dominator. So you you know, I use that and I and I feel like it really added to the story. I wanted to really take those dark personality traits that in this book, they say the BTK killer had, and he, he called it cubing. It was a weird, I mean, look inside of, of a mind of a madman, but he basically how he compartmentalized the dark side of him to the white side of him. You know, they call it the white hat to the black hat. And I wanted to really show in this ghoul NPC how what happens when Kindred Vitae is introduced and that black hat side comes out more. And so they, this book gave me a lot of inspiration like that. And I feel it could be used also in showing how, you know, people deal with the beast or other aspects of certain World of Darkness games that deal with having to balance a darker side of your existence. One other thing that this kind of brought out, I mean, it was funny because at the same time I was reading this, I was reading Salem's Lot. I was going through a reread of Stephen King's great, awesome fucking classic Salem's Lot. I probably will do a Brian book club for that. But it, Salem's Lot reminded me a lot of 
back when just the concept of one single vampire was scary as shit, you know? Let's talk about, like, Fright Night, you know? That scared me as a kid, seeing one vampire and one retainer just cause fear in me like that. And I think sometimes when we play Vampire the Masquerade, we kind of forget that vampires in themselves are solitary, horrific fucking creatures. And so one thing about this book that really brought out was the aspect of hunting and feeding. And I don't mean the murders per se, what Dennis Rader did. I'm talking about more of him. He called them projects where he actually stalked a ton of people. I mean, a lot of people. And there are a lot of people in the Kansas, Wichita area and these small towns that without them even being aware barely escaped death because some little thing stopped this man from killing them. And he constantly stalked people in these neighborhoods. He called them projects. He would stalk them for weeks and he would sit there and get their, get their habits down and their, and their movements down. And he, then he would act upon them. But he had hundreds of these projects and reading the way he described that he would do it just reminded me of like a, of a kindred or a canine or any kind of, like I said, any creature in the world of darkness going through and slowly hunting and finding their prey, letting that animalistic side of them come out. And, you know, as a storyteller, I know back when I first started running Vampire the Masquerade and even started doing Twin Cities by Night, I kind of did not focus as much as I should have on the hunt. And now running Dread and, and, and running even Wars on Fire, I think I kind of like started really trying to focus in more on that because I think that is something that's often glossed over in Vampire the Masquerade and that sometimes that we should really hunker down and focus on and that could bring a very intense, scary experience to players and a storyteller. And I really felt that 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 really reigned that in for me. And I think that made me set a goal as a storyteller to really continue what I've been doing with Dread is just make it to where a single vampire can be scary as shit and can do very scary shit and bring out just that horrific feel. Like I said, that Salem's Lot and, and, and Fright Night and Dracula and all these all these vampire media movies, you know, books with just one single vampire scaring the shit out of us could really do. And then finally... One thing that was really well, this whole like I said, this whole fucking book was difficult to read. To be honest with you, there was times where I set it down and I almost didn't pick it back up. To be honest with you, um, I recommended this book to a, a, a friend of mine, Brendan Carrion from Full Metal RPG. We were talking about inspiration for different types of books and uh, different kind of games. I mentioned this book, and I was so adamant when I mentioned to him, like, brother, just realize that this shit in this book, there's shit in this book that is not okay. I don't mean like edgelord, right? And Brendan actually summed it up, and credit to Brendan if you're listening to this, he actually summed it up best. He said, and I'm going to paraphrase, that stuff that normally doesn't scare us in fiction is a gut punch when you know it happened and it was real, right? You don't have that protect, protective boundary of knowing that someone made this up in imagination land, and it probably didn't happen, right? But it did. And so one of the things about this book that made me uncomfortable other than the obvious topics of murder and how much of a monster this was, was the weird ritualistic self-bondage uh, and SMN, S&M aspects that Dennis Rader had. Now, I am not going to judge people's lifestyles. I'm not going down that route. I'm not saying whatever he did. Well, excuse me. I'm not saying people who are under that are wrong. What I'm saying is what he did was wrong. He would go through these elaborate measures, ritualistic measures by himself with things he took from his victims where he would tie himself up upside down from abandoned barns, be in there and just set these huge displays where he would wear 
female masks and he would take pictures of himself with Polaroid cameras, imagining he was a victim hours upon hours of this. You know, he would talk about when he would travel for work and he'd have to get a hotel room. He would spend six to seven hours at night just in the hotel room with all these bondage devices and contraptions that he made himself with pictures of his victims with things of his victims and would literally spend six seven eight hours doing this to himself throughout the night and the thought of that is horrific it reminds me of when i was 15 or 16 and i watched silence of the lambs based off the thomas harris novel and the iconic buffalo bill character and just seen for the first time inside the madman's house and reading that you actually that's kind of like where you see the inside of a madman's mind. You know, we read about murders in media all the time. You know, there's some other medias that are based off of BTK killer, such as Stephen King's The Good, I think it's called The Good Husband or The Good Marriage. And, you know, we have other characters like in The Red Dragon, who I believe was kind of loosely based off of the BTK killer. But then you read about this and it almost seems too private. It almost seems like a hell of sorts. And when I read this, I really, you know, Fucked up way, folks. Excuse my language again. Struck me as inspiration for like Mage the Ascension. You know, one of my goals once I'm done with the whole overarching Twin Seas by Night vampire story, including the Pale Rider Pack story that kind of ties along with it, is to tell a massive chronicle of Mage the Ascension. And I read Mr. Picado's Mage the Ascension 20th anniversary edition, and it blew me away. And I knew that I had to try tackling this game. And man, is that book ever, ever, ever good? but ever, ever intimidating, right? But when I was reading these parts about Dennis Rader, about the, the the self bondage and all that stuff, it struck me as someone trying to do, and it was ritualistic to him. And I thought, what what would someone, what, what would drive someone to do this now, of course? We can debate that, let educated men who have spent years in schools and medical colleges guess that, I'm not gonna try guessing that. But I can almost use that in the story and see that in the story about what is someone willing to do to reach higher levels, higher planes of thoughts, truly awakening themselves, almost like in the Clive Barker, hellbound heart slash hellraiser aspect. What are you really, truly willing to do to get those answers from the other side? Now, would I recommend people to read this book? I don't think it's a great, you know, work of fiction. I don't think it's not fiction, but I don't think it's like, you know, Ellis's. American Psycho, where it's considered kind of a classic. And like, yeah, if you're a horror fan, I feel you should at least read it once. Do I feel you, people should read this book? I'm, I'm going to say straight up, folks. No, I'm not going to say rush and go get this book just to read it. But I'm going to say this. If you like the NPC Donald from Twin Cities, My Night Dread, and you, and you want to know where I got inspiration from, read this book. If you want to see inspiration on how to really tr tell a chilling tale or tap into the hunter side, of kindred or other supernatural creatures in the world of darkness yes get this book if you want to push the boundaries of your tolerance on what you're willing to read to find out about a true monster then yes get this book but if you don't want to read about fucked up shit and you don't want to read about a truly horrific monster terrible piece of shit human being who unfortunately was not caught sooner in his life and spent 30 years of this horrible damage he did to people and their families then don't pass it. Fuck him, right? You don't need to add that shit to your consciousness. You don't need to have that toxicity in your life. Move on. And I will not blame you, man. I would not blame you at all. But I was able to take, 
I don't know, a weird positive away from this and hopefully use it to tell a story with my pals and something that some of you guys can listen to, you folks listen to and maybe get some enjoyment from that. And I did learn some lessons how monsters can be within our very existence where we may think we are away from big metropolitan cities and away from crimes there. We rarely, we very well could be victims in small towns that we feel are safe. Always be vigilant, always be weary. So there's something to learn from there. I would probably get the book three out of five is mostly the BTK's words, but if you like true crime, check it out. So thank you for listening as always. You guys have stuck with us through a lot of episodes. I appreciate that you are still listening to the Brian Book Club. If you wish to reach us on Twitter, you can find us at twin underscore cities underscore VTM. You can find us on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. You can find us on Discord in the link of this podcast. You know what, folks? You can also go to the White Wolf Gameplay and R- White Wolf RPG Gameplay and Media Facebook group that we run. There are a ton of actual plays coming out, ton of podcasts, ton of media because of Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition is hitting pop culture right now as we speak check it check it out check these ap's out man give them some love there are a ton of them out there our mission of twin cities by night is to spread the love folks there's a whole bunch of room for us to play in one final thing before you cut my voice from your ears i know it's a pain in the ass i know you probably don't remember your apple id password but itunes reviews do help if you could simply go on iTunes and, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to rate us. I'm not going to tell you what to say. But if you happen to enjoy our stuff and you would like the world to know and you would like to help more people discover us, iTunes reviews for some fucking reason is like the fucking matrix when it comes to that shit. So if you could do that, that'd be appreciated. But if you're like, fuck iTunes, fuck apples, Apple singular, you can always go to our Facebook page and throw us a review on our Facebook page. And that would mean the world. Thank you again, folks, for listening. Forewarning, there are going to be more of these probably coming down the pipeline soon. I'm reading like a madman, trying to get inspiration for games. I want to share that inspiration with you folks. Again, thank you for listening. See you later, Bull Crew. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called Weight Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.